As you may know, today is Holy Thursday, the first day of the Holy Triduum. And with me today to discuss the uh, the events that we're celebrating on Holy Thursday is Father Jeff Walker. What I'd like to do is go through some basics about what we are celebrating in the church today. And then especially since we are not going to be able to actually attend liturgies, at least not in your diocese or my archdiocese, uh, talk about what we could do uh, individually, personally to still participate in the day. So first of all, can you just give us an overview on Holy Thursday? What are the events in Jesus's life that we are remembering in a particular way today? So today we celebrate the night before Jesus died and the events that take place in the upper room. So the mass of the Lord's supper is the liturgy for today. And we commemorate that first Eucharist. So tonight uh, would be the day of the institution of the Eucharist, the very first time the Eucharist is celebrated, when the Lord shows his apostles what to do and tells them, do this in memory of me. And so this is also the institution of holy orders as well, uh, the institution of ministry in the Lord's name. Uh, when he has those 12 apostles around him and he, so to speak, ordains them. He gives them a mission. He gives them a command to do what he is doing in memory of him, uh, to do this in his name. So we celebrate this evening in a very particular way, the institution of the Holy Eucharist, as well as the institution of the sacrament of holy orders by which ministers still today are ordained as deacons and priests and bishops. And uh, then we also commemorate uh, the other events that happened uh, on that evening. So mass would typically end with our procession to a place of repose, um, which is a commemoration of the Lord's procession from the upper room. Uh, through the Kidron Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane. And this place of repose, the altar of repose, as it's called, um, is, a t is a time to spend with the Lord, is a place to spend time with the Lord in prayer, just as the apostles did uh, the night that Jesus was betrayed, the night of the Last Supper. So we're commemorating those events of uh, the night before the crucifixion. Can we go through the, the liturgy a little bit? And, and maybe before we even do that, could you explain why there you won't find or you wouldn't normally find your normal like 8 a.m. parish mass? Instead, it's just the mass in the evening that you uh, mentioned earlier. Why is that? Well, on this particular evening, as I said, we commemorate the Lord's Supper. Uh, and so there was a last supper, not a lot last breakfast. So in these uh, holy days, we um, sort of slow down uh, to experience the last uh, days of Jesus's life in real time. So we try insofar as possible throughout the whole sacred triduum to celebrate the moments when they would have happened. So the mass of the Lord's Supper might take place um, it's not really about the exact hour with this, but that it happens in the evening. Uh, that they would have gathered to celebrate this Last Supper um, as an evening meal. And that um, we read in sacred scripture that when the meal was finished, 
Uh, it even includes the line in scripture that it was already dark, uh, so that when the apostles went out with the Lord Jesus through the Kidron Valley, it was nighttime, uh, that Jesus was betrayed by Judas in the dark of night. Um, and so as the timeline progresses over Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, um, these are very particular moments in time. And while sometimes we condense things in the liturgical life of the church, these three days we experience sort of in real time. So we celebrate an evening mass of the Lord's Supper. Could you walk us through, and we don't have to go through every line of the liturgy, but what are some of the, at least for you, the highlights of the liturgy? Certainly. So this is going to be one liturgy where there is a particular amount of joy. Because uh, even though we're preparing to celebrate the Lord's passion, tonight we celebrate something wonderful. We celebrate the gift of the Eucharist, and we celebrate the gift of the priesthood, the gift of diaconal ministry in the church. Um, we celebrate the institution of these sacraments. So uh, one of the first things folks notice that's different at this mass usually is that the Gloria is sung. So Easter is not the first time we're here in the Gloria during these holy days. It's actually at the mass of the Lord's Supper. Uh, and we're gonna ring the bells then. We're giving glory to God because he's doing something wonderful. He's giving us most especially the gift of the Eucharist. So we have the Gloria at this Mass. Another particular feature that you often see at this Mass, it's an option, but it's an option in uh, the United States that a lot of places choose to take advantage of. Uh, you have the washing of the feet. So after the homily, uh, the priest, uh, washes the feet of some members of uh, the parish uh, or the bishop sometimes washes the feet of his priests and his deacons um, or of the faithful of his diocese. But this is a moment of commemorating the Lord's service. So Jesus Christ is um, a servant. He came not to be served, but to serve. And he sends his apostles out into the world to do the very same thing. This is actually one of the moments of uh, the Last Supper where Jesus says, as I have done for you, you must do for others. And so we commemorate the service of the Lord. We, we celebrate Christ the servant in the washing of the feet. Uh, so that takes place usually after the homily. And then Mass proceeds what seems like in a normal way, but there are some additions to the Eucharistic prayer that's prayed in a particular way this evening, um, commemorating that this is the first uh, time that the Eucharist would have been celebrated. Uh, so the Eucharistic prayer is prayed uh, and Holy Communion is distributed, but then after Holy Communion comes the next really uh, particularly special point where instead of placing uh, the Eucharist into the tabernacle, normally we would see a procession that at the end of the supper, the scriptures say that the Lord Jesus got up from the table and said, let us go, it's dark already. And that they went out from the upper room singing hymns and psalms and went down through the valley to the garden of Gethsemane. And so 
we would normally commemorate that very same procession, that we would leave uh, the regular altar with the Blessed Sacrament and accompany Jesus in the Holy Eucharist with uh, hymns, singing hymns, and going to this place of repose, to this um, recreation in a way of the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Eucharist is then kept in this special place of repose, um, which is often decorated like a garden. It's supposed to um, evoke that time that Jesus spent in Gethsemane in prayer, um, where people can continue to spend time with Jesus in prayer throughout the evening. Uh, and that usually goes into the late hours of the night. And people are encouraged, as Jesus encouraged his own disciples, to stay and keep watch, to keep vigil. He asks the apostles as they continue to fall asleep, could you not wait just one hour with me and pray? This is the evening where he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so it's a great evening of battle, spiritual battle for the Lord. And so the people of God take part in that by spending time in prayer with the Eucharist at these places of repose throughout the evening. So it's a liturgy without an ending, really. Uh, it sort of just um, it concludes the public ceremony with this time of adoration, and then that sort of goes off into the night, and the liturgy is picked up in the next day sort of as something that's already in progress. So that's the other unusual thing about this Mass is that there's really no end to this Mass. It doesn't end with the typical blessing and go in peace. Uh, it just sort of ends in silence, and we realize that something different is happening already. There's a tradition that that evolved in Rome about visiting different altars of repose and different churches that that uh, had their own altars of repose. Can you talk a little bit about that pilgrimage and how maybe we could spiritually undertake that in our own homes this evening? Well, there's a tradition, as you mentioned, of a seven church pilgrimage. So in the city of Rome, there are many churches. And so people could easily walk from church to church to spend time with Jesus in prayer. And it also stemmed from this practical consideration that uh, parishes would put lots of effort into making these altars of repose, these places of repose, uh, beautiful places. They made them into gardens. There were flowers and candles. It was a beautiful place to be and to spend time with Jesus. So out of the just human desire to experience more than one of these beautiful places and to keep watch with the Lord throughout the evening, Christians would walk from church to church. They still do this, uh, this year being accepted. Uh, they walk from church to church to spend that time in prayer with the Lord and this idea of spending the evening with him, that the apostles uh, stayed with him until that time of betrayal when he was taken away from them. And so it has been a custom in some places in the United States, uh, especially in our area in Northwest Ohio, it's not too easy to walk from church to church, perhaps in some places, uh, in some cities, maybe in New York, you could do that or Chicago. Uh, but in our area, which is more rural, to make that pilgrimage by car, and to visit Jesus and spend time in prayer, keeping watch with him the night as we commemorate the night before he was betrayed. And then this year, when we are confined to our homes, 
will uh, present an extra challenge of how do we keep that tradition of keeping vigil with the Lord. And I think that taking a more literal uh, interpretation of Jesus's words when he turns to the apostles and says, could you not keep watch for one hour with me? Lots of people are spending uh, some devotional time watching a mass that is broadcast over television, listening to it on the radio or taking part in a mass that's live streamed on the internet, that after that mass, we take some intentional time and maybe a full hour uh, of keeping watch with the Lord in our own homes. So we can't be present with him uh, in the blessed sacrament due to our circumstances this year, but to take that time and to spend that hour as a family together in the quiet of our homes and to find a way to keep watch with the Lord in the Eucharist uh, that evening. So there are lots of devotions that one could take part in during that hour, but to keep that holy hour even in our homes and to realize that Jesus can still be present with us wherever two or three are gathered. And uh, to use this opportunity this year uh, as we do during masses uh, that we can't attend to make a spiritual communion, so to increase our desire for Holy Communion, to recognize that Jesus is present in the Eucharist and that even if we can't be physically present uh, in front of the tabernacle this year, to sort of focus our minds and our hearts on the reality of the gift that Jesus dwells in our city um, that Jesus dwells among us in the Eucharist and to spend some time growing in our love and devotion for the Eucharist. So you might pray uh, the Pange Lingua, which is the traditional hymn that is sung as, as you process to the place of repose. Everyone knows the last two stanzas of that hymn because it's the Tanju Mergo that so many are familiar with, but to pray through the words of that whole hymn uh, to pray through and to sing some other Eucharistic hymns uh, during this time. And also to invite some silence and prayer in as well, uh, because the time in Gethsemane is a lonely time. So it's good to fill some of the time perhaps with things like hymns or with praying the rosary or even uh, the stations of the cross uh, might be appropriate, but it would, also be good just to spend some time in silence uh, and in the quiet, which is something that is greatly difficult for us. It was difficult for the apostles as well, but that's a way to sort of unite ourselves with that commemoration that evening. Those are some great recommendations. And I think that's perhaps where we could leave this episode for today. But before we wrap things up, could you offer a prayer for us as we enter into the celebration of Holy Thursday? Certainly. And I will uh, end with the opening prayer from the Mass of the Lord's Supper. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O God, who has called us to participate in this most sacred supper, in which your only begotten Son, when about to hand himself over to death, entrusted to the church a sacrifice new for all eternity, the banquet of his love. Grant, we pray, that we may draw from so great a mystery the fullness of charity and of life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.